Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Come on, side, side, side. Y'all know who it is, man. It's me, Ed Lover. We are here. This is like, for me, this is going to be 94.7 The Block, New York's number one for throwbacks. It's also going to be the People's Station V103, the ATL's number one for hip-hop and R&B, and it's also going to be, come on, son, the podcast, and 104.3 Jams in Chicago. In my hand, I'm holding the book, My Brother's Name is Kenny, The Greatest True Hip-Hop Story Ever Told by Kenny Parker and Rose Daniels, who helped him write this book. Standing in front of me right now is the one and only Kenny Parker. If you don't know who Kenny Parker is, then you don't know hip-hop. My That's brother. all I'm going to say to you. I swear to God, if you don't know who Boogie Down Productions is, you don't know hip-hop. You can just completely forget about it. Bro, <laughs> you sent me this as a PDF. I started reading it. The book is dope as hell. My Thank brother's you. name is Kenny. It's a famous line, and I'm going to let y'all out there listen and tell me from what BDP record that was from. My brother's name is Kenny. That's Kenny Parker. My other brother, I see you, is much darker. I ain't giving you no more than that. What's up, Ken? How you doing, How are you, man? Thank you for having me. No problem, brother. No problem. What what made you write this book? Well, I consider myself a student of the game and a fan of the game of hip-hop. Right. So I've, I've watched everybody's story all the stories that's come out so far. And I'm like, you know, these stories, they're, they're pretty interesting. But it all seems to have the same theme. I was a gangster. I was a drug dealer. I just got out of jail. And now I'm a rapper. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, cool. And then 50 came out. And then his story was he had got shot. And thank God survived. Right. And then after that, everybody got shot. So I'm like, every everybody, that's the new story. <laughs> like, everybody got shot. I'm like, okay. Well, I have a different perspective of the hood. Right. Because I grew up in the same hood, New York City, as all these you know, other rappers. But our story was a little different because we were kids that went to the library, played ball, shot Skelly, did regular kid stuff. We weren't in gangs and stuff like that, but we still had a lot of, you know, all the ghetto hood problems that everybody else has. But I wanted to tell a story of some other kids that made it out of the hood and what they had to go through that weren't in a gang, that weren't just got out of jail. So I want to give that different perspective. Right. And and a lot of this book deals with a childhood that's really pretty 
spectacular childhood because you guys went from, and for those who that know, Kenny Parker is the brother of the mighty, mighty teacher, KRS-One. Yes. You guys went from living in Harlem in one of the most prestigious buildings in Harlem with a doorman and everything. Like, I ain't even had no doorman yeah. coming up, in, you know, <laughs> yes. first living in Brooklyn. And then y'all went from, like, an extreme high to an extreme low. Overnight, we went from living in Lenox Terrace. We had cable in 1971. Wow. <laughs> we was balling. <laughs> yeah, <y 'all> <laughs> we went from Lenox Terrace, where Bumpy Johnson lived, to the Bronx in a tenement overnight. Wow. Literally overnight. How did that affect your psyche as a kid, man? Well... Because you tell the story of Linux Terrace, and there was always tough kids. You like the tough kids lived like across the yeah, other across, side. Yeah, right. Right? And we had a couple of run-ins with them, and they used to chase us because we lived in Linux Terrace. We Absolutely. We didn't, didn't know how to handle that street part right, of it. Right, we, we We weren't that type of kid. Actually, we were like most kids growing up. Most of the kids like to have fun. You know, people think that, you know, in the hood, everybody has their gun out no. and walk around like it's a western. Absolutely not. That is not the truth. Most no. kids are just fun-loving kids like that, you know, do regular kid stuff and then you have a handful of thugs who, who terrorize the masses of the kids. That's right. <laughs> That's pretty much how the hood is. And, and the funny, because I could, I could absolutely relate to that story because when people ask me about my childhood, Growing up, you know, starting in Brooklyn and then moving into Queens, ah. we did the exact opposite of what y'all did. Right. We came from the burned out brownstone next door in Brooklyn with the rats running around. I remember right. my older brother got bit by a rat, oh. and then we moved up. We ah. were like the Jeffersons. Queens was like paradise. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? Yeah, coming, yes. from, coming from Brooklyn, you did the exact the opposite. opposite. But our childhoods mirrored each other because I wasn't a thug kid. Right. We played football in the right. street and right. basketball right. And, and, and stick ball and wiffle ball. Right. And my sisters and them jumped double dutch. Everybody right. was like, I, 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 and right. I'm from Queens and I'm telling you that. <laughs> right. You know, but, but people get that misconception if you just watch TV or if you just listen to every rapper's story, which I think a lot of rappers are exaggerating. Absolutely. But, but if, you listen, if you just don't know the hood and you just get these stories, you think that's what it is. But I wanted to tell a different story you know, it, it gets even crazier as we become teens. It just, the story just gets even crazier. Right. And, and I also wanted people to see KRS-One in a different light from what it really took for him to become a rapper. Because, you know, today it's a lot easier to become a rapper. I mean, you could just jump on YouTube or you could jump on any number of social medias and you can blow up. But back in the early 80s, it was extremely difficult to get a record deal. Yeah. Like, you didn't even know anybody who made a record. <laughs> like, like, you know, I remember I, somebody lived in my building. Their, they knew the cousin of the singer D-Train. I don't know if people remember D-Train. Of course I remember D-Train. Yes. Big, big shout out to D-Train. D-Train is from Brooklyn. Yes. D-Train's cousin was a star in, around my way. But not D-Train. <laughs> Forget D-Train's cousin was a star. Right. Nobody knew anybody who even made a record, so D-Train's cousin was like, oh, my God, you're D-Train's cousin. That's the mentality. That's where we were, and my right. brother was like, I want to be an MC. What are you, crazy? He must be. I actually told him that. What are you, out of your mind? Really? <laughs> I was his first hater. <laughs> Every, what was it about him that, and him wanting to be an MC did you not believe in? Was he just, like, extra whack at the time? No, at that time, he was... A juvenile delinquent, failed out of school, right. ran away from home. Any 
bad statistic that you could think of where you say a person's going to fail. Yeah. He was that. Okay. And I was the straight A student on a roll, played sports, you know. So I was, we were like, me and him are very close in age. We're yeah. almost like, t- we're like 10 months apart. So we're not even like older brothers. We're almost like, like, like yeah, equal. Like tw- right. Right. But I was really the lead. You know, I was the one that had all the friends. I was the one, he used to hang out with my friends. Okay. Because he didn't even really have any friends. So he was like a loner delinquent. And he's like, I'm going to be a rapper. What are you, crazy? You just <laughs> failed the eighth grade. You need to, you know, you want a rapper. <laughs> you know, like, what, are you out of your mind? That's right. exactly the conversations we used to have. Right. What, are you crazy? A rapper? And at this point, there was like, the rapper's delight was out. So it was like one song. Right. <laughs> and he's like, I could do this. Man, you must be crazy. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so that's, that's why I was saying that to him, yeah. So the book goes into detail about the very, very beginnings of your childhood. Yes. Um, you call your brother Larry a lot in the book. Yes, that's his real name, Lawrence Parker. Okay. Yes. He, later on, you know, I tell the progression of how he became KRS and the whole story. It, it, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a saga. Right. But, you know, at that point, as kids, he was Larry. He's my brother, my brother Larry. That's and, and there it is. There's another mirror of my life and you guys' life. My brother, older than me, is Larry. That's my Amaz- brother's name. Amazing. That's amazing. My brother's name is Larry. And so I grew up with a Larry. You grew up with Larry. When yes. did you really start feeling like Chris could really do it? I he did made it take a, a record? No, no, no. He made a tape with one of my boys. I had a boy named Mike Windsor who we used to play ball with. Right. He was also a DJ. Okay. And everybody who knew me know my brother was a rapper. So one day they went and made a tape in Mike Windsor's basement. And Mike Windsor played me the tape. And this is the first, this is after a couple of years of me dissing, by the way. <laughs> right. A couple of years of me saying, you're, you're whack. Mike Windsor played me this tape, and he was actually dope on this tape. This was in like 80, 1982. Okay. He was actually dope on this tape. And that was the first time I was like, yo, like my brother might have something, but I was still super skeptical, but you know. He might be better than average. Okay. <laughs> in my mind. Okay, because yeah. it was so hard for everybody to break into the Yeah, even man. if you could rap. That I mean, by this point, there was like Curtis Blow. This is before Run DMC. Yeah, because running them didn't come to like 83. Right, right. So this is like, there's like five dudes rapping. Right. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it's like five guys. You know, right, co- you still had, well, plus you had one. I love Buck Starsky, Starsky out there. right. Right, Busy B. Yeah, shout out to Busy B. Mo D. Treacherous Three, yeah. Treacherous Three were out there. All of the little the groups were out right, there. Right, there were right, the groups. There was, there was yeah, a he, lot of groups. He wasn't even in a group. Right, and Sugar <laughs> Hill Gang was Sugar Hill Gang, right. Uh, the Furious, Furious five, five group, Crash Crew. Crash Crew. Group, Cold Crush Cold was out. Crush, Shout out to Cass. Group, yeah, Fantastic Romantic Five. Five, yes. Group. Uh, what's the uh, what's their names? Uh, they had the first real Puerto Rican dude I think I ever seen oh, rapping. Feel it for. Yeah, Feel yeah, it Tito and Yeah, Tito. But they were all groups. Groups. There wasn't like... Besides Curtis Blow, there wasn't really any singular solo male hip hop artist. Right, and we lived in Brooklyn at the at that time. Okay, we had moved from the Bronx to Brooklyn. These guys are almost not even real people. Like somebody on the radio is not a real person, almost. Right to to kid, you know, to the people. Like you don't, like I said, you don't know anybody who makes records. You know, the Grandmaster Flash and Furious Five was so far beyond my mind that I can know them. And my brother is saying, I'm going to be like them. Right. Impossible. It's incredible. Yeah. And and 
do you think that part of the DNA for Boogie Down Productions for you guys was the fact that at one point you guys lived right next door to Cool Herc? We we actually on the day that hip hop started, August eleventh, nineteen seventy three, we literally lived ne- in the next building from Cool Herc. Literally, wow. like like my mother could have gone to that part <laughs> <laughs> if she wanted to. Right. So we were literally right there. I mean, we were. I was like six. I was seven. I had just turned seven years old. Right. So I was a little kid. You know, Kurt Herc wouldn't have spoke to me. Right. But we used to play in front of his building every day. So Herc probably had to be like, look out, little shorty, right. to go Get on his building. Trying right. to look, carry these records from right, here. Right. So we were right there absorbing the same environment that created hip-hop. We were right there. So, yeah, I'm going to say yeah. So so you guys coming from the Bronx, um, I mean, being in Brooklyn for a long time. Yes. Why not represent Brooklyn? Why did you represent the Bronx? Well, Chris moved back to the Bronx. Okay. I stayed in Brooklyn. Okay, that's a whole. It's a whole story that goes with that. Gotta get the book, y'all. Gotta my get. I don't want to give it away. My name is it's Kenny, a right? crazy story how he got back to the Bronx. But by the time he was like 15, 16, he was back in the Bronx. Was he in the shelter system at that yes, time? Yes, he okay. was in the shelter system. So his formative years was in the Bronx. Okay. So that's why he reps the Bronx. My formative years are in Brooklyn, so I'm more a Brooklyn guy. He's a Bronx guy. But he's right. really he's both, but he's really a Bronx guy. Right. And then he met Scott LaRock, and then you know Bronx. Right. And right. then it was BDP Bronx, right. Bronx, 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 Bronx. Who came up with Boogie Down Productions? You know, I asked Chris that, and he told me that uh, Scott came up with Boogie Down Crew. Okay. They were going to be Boogie Down Crew. And Chris added the productions, like, no, let's, because we, we want to make beats and we want to do more things. So KRS added the productions, and Scott had Boogie Down crew. Right. So they just cut off the crew and put the productions there. When, when did you become a part of that movement? Well, I was always in the background. I was always hanging around. Right. I wasn't part of the movement, but I was always at the shows, in the studio, just hanging. But I became a part of the group in 89 after d nice d nice went solo he was the dj right after scott larock passed d nice became the dj he went solo in right in 89 beginning 90 and that's when i came, came aboard okay so from 89 on i was officially in the group how did how did that affect you guys how did it affect your brother's mental and your mental losing scott larock well that was chris's best friend okay and and really his mentor uh, he always he always says like uh he was neo and and Scott was like morpheus okay to him right so he always uses that analogy so um for him losing Scott was like losing not only your best friend but the you know your musical partner and the person who believed in you right so for him I'm sure it was devastating you know for me I knew Scott more as like a cool guy you know that's my brother's friend I knew him more right. as a cool guy it was shocking to me too i mean it's the first person in hip-hop ever to really get killed right with scott larock so for me it was shocking but for chris it must have been you know and then he has to figure out what are you gonna do yes because they had a show coming up at the garden like two weeks after scott passed. oh wow You're right so it was like your best friend and musical partner is gone you got a show in two weeks at madison Square garden what are you gonna do right so all of that just must have hit him like pow yeah Right, so you know, and I went into detail a little more about that in the book, but yeah. 
right, listen. The current chicken sandwich craze is wild in me, son. Because there's only one crispy chicken sandwich that comes with the whole experience. That leaves your mouth on cloud nine. And that, my friends, can only be found at McDonald's. Like when you open up the Silver Line Crispy Chicken Sandwich bag for the first time, it's like your own special present. Plus the steam that softly comes out, that's the best surprise. Oh, and let's not forget about how your fingers glisten from the buttery buns bite after bite. The perfect balance of pickle to crispy chicken. And last but certainly not least, the crumbs at the bottom of the bag. Marking your last chance to savor those final bites and say goodbye to the sandwich you won't believe. It's already gone. Make your own crispy, juicy, tender moments and order a crispy chicken sandwich at your favorite neighborhood McDonald's or pre-order on the app today. Gold Peak Real Brew Tea is here to unleash your sense of try, to ignite new passions and rekindle old ones. So try a Gold Peak and then try something else because this taste is worth the try. Try Gold Peak. Whether it's your kicks, your clothes, or anything else, Going with the best gives you that swagger and confidence to be yourself, to be bold, and to live large. Living large is all about being authentic, cool under pressure, and prepared for whatever comes your way. You always got to be the man with a plan, and when life throws those special moments at you, you can't accept anything less than the gold standard. Magnum Large condoms help you play it cool and stay protected. Magnum, live large. Look for Magnum condoms wherever condoms are sold. McDonald's is kicking off Future 22, a campaign celebrating 22 leaders of the next generation across the country who are making an impact in their communities right now. The civil rights movement was full of young Gen Z leaders, and the influx of young leaders we're seeing today are all on the road to being just as historical as those in the civil rights movement. They're starting their own organizations, finding ways to empower even more youth and culture. They're taking a stand and speaking out. Now McDonald's is celebrating their efforts and the impact they're leaving on the world. Ever heard of Anya Dillard? She's an 18-year-old activist that started the Next Gen Come Up, a nonprofit that encourages activism and community service. Anya's story is just one of many purpose-filled missions that McDonald's is showcasing. So check it out right now and see plenty of more stories like hers on Instagram at WeAreGolden. My brother's name is Kenny is the book. I'm talking to Kenny Parker. Y'all have to get this book. It is absolutely the greatest true hip-hop story ever told. The original members of BDP, who are they? The original members of BDP, as I, as I understand, KRS-One, Scott LaRock, D-Nice was the three right founding big up to d nice too can we big d nice for what he has been able to do yesterday i was walking right down the street down here i walked past carnegie hall d nice is at carnegie (laughs) hall y'all in august yo carnegie hall with club quarantine with a bunch of his people he got performing with him he's at at carnegie hall that's amazing scott larock would be proud of absolutely absolutely that was like his little son scott d nice Scott LaRock, that was his protege. D-Nice was Scott LaRock's protege. Okay. So that's how that's how D-Nice got in a group, if I recall. I wasn't there there for that, but as as I heard it, right. it was Chris and Scott, and Scott brought his little protege, D-Nice, into the group. Okay. That was the original crew. Yes. Right. So there was other people around, you know, uh, Manager Mo, Miss Melody. Yeah, absolutely. Karis One's ex-wife, rest in peace. 
uh, Willie D was around. Rest in peace to him. Um, you know, there were other guys in, in the orbit. Even Just Ice yes. was, was in the orbit. But that was the original crew. Scott LaRock, KRS, D-Nice. How tough was it to break through? Because, as you remember, there's a stranglehold by certain people on hip-hop at that time. And uh, what really kind of propelled BDP onto every everybody's map was the bridge war. Yes. The first real beef in hip hop. Like super beef. Like like yeah, like had New York shut down yeah, at that like, point. Like like super beef. Yeah. And I'm, me being from a queen uh, being a Queens dude, when he got to Manhattan keeps on making it and, and Queens keep on faking, I was like, You got beef with them, they in Queensbridge. It's not it's not all of us. I read that really that's really it was really Queensbridge. Right. It was Queensbridge. But why you had to diss the entire <laughs> borough of Queens? We like, we over on the Holland side of things and South Side are like, yo, we don't we don't even know them dudes. Like right, right. if you know Queensbridge, folks, if you've never been to Queens, New York, or the Bronx, New York, actually there's a part where the Bronx is really close to Queens. If you right. take the Throsneck Bridge, once you cross the Throsneck Bridge, you're in the Bronx. Right on the other side of that bridge is Queens. Queens, Queens Bridge is closer to Manhattan, Manhattan right. than it is actually closer to the part of Jamaica, Queens, where I'm from. Absolutely. So we was like, what did we do? <laughs> <laughs> and that still, record was massive, too. It was too. massive. And I tell Chris all the time, I still hate you for that record. <laughs> like, I, And I'm throwing my hands up. I'm like, he's disrespecting my borough to the fullest. Like, we got <gasps> killed behind that, man. Yeah, that, that was... I mean, and the whole thing started with Mr. Magic from WBLS, if I if I recall. They, Chris and Scott wanted to be down with the Juice Crew. With the Juice Crew. They came to Mr. Magic, to the studio. They kind of bum-rushed his studio session. Right. With their demo. Listen to our, listen to our music. We want to be down. Magic was like, this is trash. Wow. You're bums. Wow. You can never be as good as MC Shan. Never. Get out. Wow. And kicked them out the studio. So that was the fuel. That's the catalyst. Right. So they're riding home in, on the train to the Bronx, and KRS is going, I can never be as good as Shan. Okay, watch this. And he starts writing the Bridges Over and South Bronx at the same time. Wow. Right? Two monster records. Monster records, man. At the same time. And it Do was you a remember magic. the 30th anniversary of Young TV Rides at the Barclays Center? Yes. That concert? Yes. Do you remember... When I saw you and you was on the set and I was like, y'all are ready, huh? You was like, you ready? <laughs> yeah. And Chris came out and that boom, boom, bam, bam, boom, bam, 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 And the whole Holy. arena was jumping. I was like, yo, that's massive. That was massive. a massive. And that was massive before normal radio. Yeah. Bitches over couldn't, I mean, only Red Alert was playing that song. Yeah. You couldn't, I mean, you couldn't even. 360, I just ran into Red Alert yesterday. Back outside. then. Only like two records maybe got regular rotation. Like the two biggest rap records out. Everything else was on the mix show. Right. Like people now take for granted. You could just hear songs on the radio like, oh, that's, it comes on 20 times a day. Right. We but, got Friday night. We got Saturday night at that a time. That was it. That was or it. Or you have to try to catch uh, Chuck D and on Spectrum City if you was on that Long Island side. Right. Or Bobito and Stretch Armstrong and sometimes the world famous Supreme, Supreme team. team. You could catch it. And the awesome too. And everybody was like like on off stations, but it wasn't all day, every day. And it was late, too. These right. shows are like 2 in the morning, yeah. 12 o'clock. You had to be up late with your tape recorder ready to go to hear songs. Kenny, did you ever envision that this is what it would end up being? Like, you guys are legendary status, man. Y'all are what I like to call, and I, I, I talked to uh, 
Um, I just had a recent interview with Ted Smooth and the world famous Brucey e. B. Shout you out guys to are all first ballot Hall of Famers, man. Like, there's no, there's no doubt. Why is it not a boogie down production way somewhere in the in the Bronx? Sadly, I think you have to pass. I mean, there's a Scott LaRock. Scott LaRock has a streak. Okay. After he passed. Right. And I think, sadly, you get they some flowers. They gave big Right. But all of this happens but when they you just pass. But they just gave Remy one. Ah, well. They, and the BC boys finally. Finally. Are getting theirs. Jay got his after, after he, he passed. passed. Run DMC, JMJ way. I want mine now. I, I think <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you, bro. I think I deserve one. For, the, for the work that we put in, for me helping to help put Queens on the map. And they did it to Fife. They gave Fife one after, after. he died. That's, for some reason in hip-hop, that's what we do. Like, we don't appreciate people until they pass. Right. And you notice their stream, all their songs go to, like, number one on the stream. Right. Like, you weren't listening to this before? Right. Like, a person, like, Tribe Called Quest, you wasn't listening to Tribe Called Quest before Fife died? Now you, I don't know. When you first heard the completed version of one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time, Criminal Minded, what did you think? I couldn't believe that was my brother. Wow. I, You know... I got it in bits and pieces because he gave me like a, a rough copy of the song Poetry. Right. So I had like a rough poetry, but it's like each song had a different style. Yes. So it was like, wow, he really had, because I'm still in denial. Even, <laughs> even, I, I told him, to, I thought his career was over after South Bronx. Really? After South Bronx and MC Shan answered the South Bronx with Kill That Noise. But Kill That Noise wasn't hot in South it, Bronx, though. I, it wasn't even in the same realm. It wasn't even in the same realm. I thought, as a, as a MC Shan fan, I liked MC Shan. Right. I was like, I told you not to mess with Shan. I told you. <laughs> this is what I'm saying to you. I told you. Oh, man. Hot I told is 2028. <laughs> I told you to leave him alone. His exact word, KRS' exact words were, I have a song called The Bridge Is Over. And I was like, how does it go? I'm talking like that. How does it right. go? He said, well, it's to a reggae bass line, and it goes, doom, 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 doom. I'm like, oh, that's whack. Your career's over. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, this is how I'm talking and, to him. And do you guys got to understand, like, where hip-hop was at that time, when you had, like, um, um, the Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five doing the harmony type of stuff, uh, Grandmaster Kaz and them did it, where people used to take songs and inject the songs into a routine, right? but it was always four or five guys doing it. Right. So that was the first time we heard one solo artist go, ooh, <laughs> singing Billy Joel. Which is crazy because Billy Joel was at the garden last night, and now him, me and you are talking about crazy. this right now. Crazy. Nobody had heard that before, and just was disrespectful as hell. We heard the tape that had circulated about Kumo D getting that busy beat. Right, right? I remember that tape, yes. That was a tape. That was a tape. That was not a record. It was not. And it took years to, for that tape to circulate. Yes. Yes, because I probably heard it two, three years after Me too. it happened Me too. already. Me too. You know, it took years. That's how we heard everything. Somebody had a tape. Somebody said, make me a copy. Let me get a copy. Yep. Then you make a copy, make another copy. But when this came out, South Bronx came out, killed it. Right? And then the Bridge is Over came out and was even more painful. It was ridiculous. Ridiculous. But at least the bridge is over was concentrated on Queens Bridge. <laughs> yeah. We felt like, okay, he ain't messing with us no more. This right. side of Queens, we are all right. He's talking to y'all. He was very right specific. There. He was specific. Magic, with that one. Marley, yes. Paul, and poor Shantae didn't really Shantae have nothing to do with it. Collateral damage, bro. <laughs> collateral, she was with the juice crew. Yep. 
She is collateral damage. Collateral now, here is something that I found interesting that I did not know. I once interviewed Big Daddy Kane, and Shout I asked him. him why you didn't jump in that beef. He said because me and Chris were friends. Yes. Um, I, I heard him tell his story. Um, Chris, Chris helped him. Chris helped him move from, from one spot. apartment to the next apartment. Yes. KRS and Miss Melody helped yes. Kane move his couch yes. upstairs into... Yeah, a um into Kane's apartment. Yeah, they were friends. This is before Kane was even in the Juice Crew. Yes, he said he was part of it, but he said at the time, you know, I don't know a lot of people know that Kane used to write for Biz. Yes, wrote for Shantae. Right, pen stuff for Shan. A lot of people didn't know that. So he said, uh, Mister Magic and No Fly Tie is the one. I, that's funny because I just talked to Fly Tie in the airport yesterday. Shout out to him the other day. Fly Tie told him, "Well, you Juice Crew, but you." Kind of not really juice like crew. A junior juice crew. Right. So, like, you're not full in. <laughs> right. So, when the beef happened, he said Fly Tie came to him and was like, Yo, man, we need you to do something to get at this KRS One dude that Boogie right. Down Productions is killing us. And Kane said, No, I thought I wasn't juice crew. I exactly. thought you said I wasn't juice mm-hmm. crew yet. Mm-hmm. And plus, that's my man. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting into that. So, that's, that's, it's, it's a lot of stuff behind the scenes. But that at that time, before Jay Z and Nas, before all of us, that was the biggest beef that was in the that, streets of New York City. Yes, it was bigger crazy. than Chris throwing PM Dawn off, off the, the stage. stage. I was there for that one. Yes, you uh, were. That's I was right. there. Yes, you I were. I was there. I was there. Yes, yeah, I was DJing. I, that's yes. a whole story. Wow, that, that's a whole nother story, man. Yes. But there's so many great things that come along, and it's wonderful that you wrote a book. And once again, the book is called "My Brother Name Is Kenny." There is such I take so much pride in this book because you're showing people that greatness in hip-hop did not always have to come from violence. Yes. That two regular kids that just had a dream get to say that we want to do this, can be involved in hip-hop at such a high level and didn't have to be, well, my dad was a drug dealer, my mama was a hoe, my grandmother ran a brothel. That's (laughs) not not always it. I mean, that's some people's story, and shout to them if that's your story. If it's your true story. If you're, that's what I'm saying. If that's your true story, because everyone has that story. And I, after a while, I was like, I'm skeptical. You know? Um, yeah. I saw a famous rapper once say, you know, they asked him, why do you write about, you know, the streets all the time and all your lyrics? And he was like, well, you know, when I, when I look out my window, that's all I see. Pimps, hustlers, drug dealers. So that's what I write about. So I'm like, well, I used to live 10 blocks down from this same rapper in right. Brooklyn. T- 10 blocks down. So I, I used to play ball in his area. I know the same area. So I'm like, when you look out the window, you see all kind of people. That's right. The mailman, teachers, <laughs> people going to work, you know, all kind. And you see pimps, hustle. You see all kind of people. I said, that's what you choose to focus on. Absolutely. There's all kind of people in the hood. And I want to just... You know, I want to bring up a story that, you know, we were from, we were poor. We were poor even in the poor neighborhood we was poor. Right. And we came from that. I wanted to show people that you could come from that almost hopelessness if you have a dream that you could take it all away. Yeah. Really? And that's exactly, exactly what you showed and illustrated so well. How can people get their hands on this book? The book is available on all platforms and you can order it on Amazon. Uh, it's in book. It should be in bookstores soon. Uh Apple Books, BarnesandNoble.com, uh, anywhere where you get your books, it's available. 
Yeah, and it's a great story, y'all. You make sure that you get this book. The book is called My Brother Name is Kenny. My man Kenny Parker and Rose Daniels wrote this book. Rose is in the studio, but she's doing the camera stuff right now. Shout out to Rose Shout G. out to Rose. This is absolutely an amazing book and about amazing brothers, man. About, you know, about Larry and Kenny. Pretty much. Larry and Kenny Parker, <laughs> who became KRS-One and the whole crew, Boogie Down Productions. Very interesting. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. I Thank you for having me. Love Anytime, always. Brother. You know Anytime. how far we go back. Yes, sir. I'm honored, man. I'm honored because now we, we friends for a guy that used to diss my whole borough. <laughs> <laughs> so, shut up, Dan. You're from the Bronx. Yo, my brother's oh, name is Kenny, man. It's Ed Lovers. You know what it is. Till next time. Peace. Peace. Come on, son. son. This Ed Lover podcast is being done in conjunction with Cigars International. Make sure you check out cigarsinternational.com for all your cigar needs. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced, engineered, and edited by Cam Quotes and Krista Hayes. Recorded out of Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast brought to you by Ed Lover. Be sure to check out the return of Come On, Son, the web series exclusively on Patreon. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.